Mr. Cash, welcome again to the Jack Gravely Show. Good morning, Jack. Thanks for having me back on. When I um when I got the call this week that you you wanted me to come on, man, I felt good to be back with you. Well, I'm very glad to have you. And what have you been doing since you were last on the show? What's going on with the American Petroleum Institute and you? Well, I've, I've been up to a lot, but before I get into that, I, okay. I do want to say to you, congratulations. I saw where you got appointed um, head of the NAACP back in April, and you and I haven't spoken, so I do want to make sure I, I, I point out all the good work you're doing since you're pointing out all the good work I'm doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, and you, you go right ahead. No, no, and I was going to say, and, 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 and I, I know you have been ripping and running and doing things in the business and economic world. What are some of the things you've been working on? Well, this has been a, a really good year for us at the America's Energy Forum. We, you know, last year we, we had made a decision that we wanted to do more in regards to engaging some of our minority leaders and uh -huh. just talking about these opportunities that are happening within um, the oil and gas industry. And, and so last year was a, a big planning year where we were trying to figure out the best ways to go about doing that engagement. This year we're actually out in the field doing it. Um, I'm covering 11 different states for um, the America's Energy Forum this year. And predominantly, Jack, I'm just getting out and trying to spread the gospel about what's happening with America's energy, not, not only um, in Virginia but across the country right now. Okay, how will that American Energy Forum and American Energy impact what you are doing with the possibility of offshore drilling here in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Oh, man, it could have a huge impact. Uh, you know, I was listening to your show this morning and uh, li listening to you talk about some of the issues going on in our communities with jobs and drugs and, uh, you know, just all right, the right. things that are happening. Right. And, and I tell you, Jack, I mean, you know, your callers had a lot of great comments and ideas, but the way you start transforming these neighborhoods and improving these communities, you got to get people back to work. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the things that Virginia, unfortunately, has suffered from. Um, their economy has not been expanding as rapidly as it could. Um, and, and, and so it's time to get folks back to work. When you get folks back to work and you give them a job, they're not hanging out on the corner, they're not on the street corner doing things they shouldn't be doing. Um, they're out working and contributing to society. So, you know, if we could expand offshore energy opportunities in an area like Virginia, you could see over 25,000 jobs get created for hardworking people. And so when you say that, uh, uh, Mr. Cash, 25,000 jobs created, what kind of jobs, what type of jobs, what kind of skills must a person bring uh, uh, to the arena to work in that industry, the energy industry? What kind of skills must he or she have? That's a great question because I'm, I'm sure your listeners are saying, hey, 25,000 jobs sounds great, but if I don't qualify for one, it, it, it doesn't help me out. Exactly. And I, I think the beautiful thing about what's happening with energy, Jack, is that you know when you look at the jobs created in our industry, nearly two-thirds of those jobs are what we call blue-collar jobs. So these, these are your pipe fitters and your HVAC specialists and, you know, just folks that can, can literally go to their local community college, take a job training program, and then they're out in the field and, and, and they're making good money. So that's two-thirds of the jobs that get created in our industry are just blue-collar, you know, technical-type jobs. And then another third of the jobs that get created in our industry tend to be more white-collar jobs. So those are your more professionals, your accountants, your uh, public relations-type people, but the people that are basically coming in and actually running these companies. So, you know, my, my message to your listeners this morning is, um, you know, as we move further and further down this path, not only do we create a lot of jobs, but I think there's a job for you in that, in that mix. Okay. 
in reference to jobs and development mm-hmm. and you being a North Carolina-based company and a North Carolina-based person, where do you see growth taking place in the South uh, over the next five, ten years? What areas do you see? North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, along the coastline? Or what? what do you see? Well, I, I think that the entire South and, and really the entire East Coast has a tremendous opportunity right now. I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm out always trying to meet with leaders and talk about the offshore opportunities that, that we've been that we've been talking about. And you know, if you look up and down the East Coast as a whole, Jack, uh, you can see somewhere around 280,000 jobs get created um, just through offshore energy. And as, as we said, you know, about 25,000 of those jobs would come to Virginia. Now, North Carolina does stand to benefit probably even more so than than other states along the East Coast, just because of the shape of our shoreline we could end up seeing about 55,000 jobs get created here in our state, and that would be somewhere around a $4 billion economic impact. So North Carolina does stand to win, but, but I think, Jack, the more important question to ask is, is when you look at growth across this country since the end of the recession, where have we seen the most amount of growth? And, and that growth is occurring in states like North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma. Even your neighbors, West Virginia, has a fast-growing economy right now, and when you take all the states across the country, Jack, and you say, what do they all have in common, the ones that are growing the right way and growing healthy, they all have an energy story. Yeah. Every state yeah. that I just mentioned has an energy story. And so we got to get Virginia part of that story, too. Okay, well, one of the things I, I really have to ask in this case, when you talk about North and South Dakota, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, part of it is, is, is the drilling and, and things of that nature. And some people have been opposed to that. What does your industry and what is your statement on those who say that this type of energy production is not safe and it damages the environment? I, I, I tell them that they need to go sit down and, and, and talk to a scientist because everybody that um, in the science community, when you look at the facts around that, that story, it, it's just not true. Um, you know, we, we have proven over the last six decades, I'll say that over the last six decades, that this, this process, hydraulic fracturing, can be done safely and it can be done responsibly. There, you know, there's already two million wells that have been done all around the world, Jack, mm-hmm. and we don't hear about any horrific stories from day to day. So I, I think the industry has already proven that it can be done safely and responsibly. I, I would say to people that have a concern, I, I think your concern is valid, and mm-hmm. I'm, I, I never want to dismiss a concern that someone has because I think when people bring concerns up, that creates a healthy conversation, and that makes certain that the industry is doing what they need to be doing um, the right kind of way. So, I, 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 you know, anyone out there, I want you to bring up your concerns, and I want you to make sure that we're doing this the right way because we do need to balance the economic rewards against some of the environmental, um, you know, possibilities. And so, you, you know, if you have a concern, I think you keep voicing that concern. But, but, but to those people who just say no, that we, we just shouldn't do this at all. I, I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, we've got to have an energy policy that works for everyone. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my guest on the show here this morning is Mr. Algernon Cash. Uh, he is an investor. He is an advisor. He's a businessman. He, he also, are you still working with the MBA program down at Wake Forest University, uh, Mr. Cash? I do. You advise I, I do. I'm, I'm part of a, what they what, what it's called the Executive Partners Program at Wake Forest University, and you know I get I, I really enjoy this, Jack. They invite me over to meet with some of the MBA students, and um, you know I mentor and coach them right. on 
you know, different different types of business ideas. But it's something that I love. And, you know, even at our firm, Jack, we bring in college students every summer. This summer we've got four young ladies from three different colleges working here. Um, I, I really, really enjoy engaging our, um, our our young adults. Are those paid internships? Yes, sir. We do have some that are paid, and then we do have some that are just more what we would call a, a field study. Okay. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have to take a short break. Uh, Mr. Cash, when I come back, I want to ask you to explain to my listeners here in Richmond and in the Norfolk market, what is the American Energy Forum and what is it, it is doing? But we got to take a break. We'll be right back with Ms. Algernon Cash. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, you're back with me on the Jack Gravely Show. I'm coming to you from beautiful downtown Richmond, Virginia. My guest this morning is businessman, PR man, uh, uh, real estate developer, investor, uh, advisor to college students, speaker all over the country, Mr. Algernon Cash. Uh, he's with the uh, uh, Walton uh, Glidden Company down in North Carolina. What part of North Carolina is your headquarters in, uh, Mr. Cash? We are right here in Greensboro, and, um, you know, I'm from a little small tobacco town called Winston-Salem, so I'm, <laughs> I'm here to try it. Okay. I know. I went to school down at Fayetteville State, and we played Winston-Salem every year. Uh, let me uh, – what I want to ask you is, what is the American Energy Forum? What do you all do, and what is the importance of it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we are we're basically a 23-state nonpartisan community. I, I always like to stress to people, because I, I know sometimes politics can cause people to go off one path or another, but we always like to mention that we are nonpartisan. We don't think that energy has anything to do with Republicans or Democrats, but that energy has something to do with real people. And that's what the America's Energy Forum is about. And so we're operating in 23 states, but the people that support us and are a part of that community are just ordinary people. They're, they're business owners, they're moms and dads, they're farmers, they're elected officials, they're professionals. They're just ordinary people that care about their community, and they want to see jobs get created, and they want to see economic growth. And we spend a lot of our time, Jack, quite frankly, just going out and trying to fight back against a lot of the myths out there. Uh -huh. I mean, people within the, within the environmental crowd, they spend a lot of time trying to scare and fe use fear-mongering tactics to scare people away from these opportunities. And we just try to get out and provide real education and real facts and knowledge about this great energy story that's happening in America. And so we would encourage any of your listeners who want to learn more, if they want to sign up to support us or join us, um, they can go to americasenergyforum.com and, and learn a lot, lot of information there. Are you all in favor of of uh, of of uh, sun, solar power, and 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 things like that? Developing uh, what some are calling the energy resources of tomorrow. Uh, where are you all on that issue? We we are definitely in favor of it. Um, you know, we we think any source of energy needs to be on the table. You know, oh, okay. Whether it's renewable, solar, um, ethanol, whatever whatever your favorite. Um, source is. We think all sources need to be looked at, but, but we also make sure that we remind people that when you look at your base load energy demand right now, nearly 80% of that demand is being met through fossil fuel technology. And so although we do need to be making um, movement towards going towards what you said, the energy of tomorrow, we do need to make, be making our way there, but we need to be making sure that we consider that um, a heavy amount of demand right now is currently met through fossil fuels and that demand is only growing, Jack, because when you look at countries like China and India and countries throughout Southeast Asia where they're growing very rapidly, they are demanding more and more energy. And so as world demand goes up, 
we've got to make sure we meet that demand. And, and Jack, if we don't meet that demand and we don't do it properly, there's a lot of ordinary families in your community that start to get hurt. You know, right now, the average African-American family is paying a higher, a, a higher amount of their discretionary income towards energy. And so if we, if we get this wrong and we do it the wrong way and we artificially increase the price of energy, there are real families in your neighborhood and your community that get hurt by that. When you so talk we got to make sure we get this right and we got to do it right. When you talk about uh, a fossil fuel or fossil elements for energy, uh, to me you're talking about coal, gas, and oil. Uh, yes, sir. Those are the three prongs, I think, in it. What is the future of those of coal, gas, and oil in the United States as far as development and future energy sources? Well, right now, when you when you look at world demand, I mean, there are, there are some reports and surveys that are that have been circulated out there that shows that you know in in the next thirty or forty years, you could still see demand for fossil fuel technology be right around the same amount that it is right now, just because of again, because world demand is increasing significantly. I, I think what you're starting to see is a lot of utility companies, um, like companies like Duke Energy, they are moving towards more what they call natural gas-fired plants, so they are trying to retire some of their coal-fired plants because obviously natural gas burns a lot cleaner, um, it, it's just more, it's cheaper, it's more efficient and effective than coal. So I, I do think you're going to start to see more and more companies moving towards natural gas and maybe, you know, that displacing coal to some degree. But, but I, I think fossil fuels are, you know, is, is going to be around, you know, for the foreseeable future, at least as long as you and I are living, Jack. Yeah, and, and when you start talking about that industry and jobs, I was surprised for you to hear you say some of the jobs in, your, uh, in the industry is HVAC, and I would assume welders and pipe fitters or plumbers and electricians, those are the kinds of, of hardcore blue-collar jobs that pay good money with good benefits and good retirement uh, uh, programs that you're talking about. Exactly. And, and you know, it, the, the, the opportunity right now is we've got this baby boomer generation out here, and these baby boomers are starting to retire from the industry. So basically over the next several years, Jack, you're going to see 50% of the technical personnel within the oil and gas industry will retire. That creates an enormous opportunity for us to create a lot of jobs. And the thing that I'm most focused on, Jack, that the reason why I got involved with this effort is because I want to try to create jobs for African Americans. Okay. You know, right now, less than 8% of our industry are, are minority workers. And so there's a huge opportunity if we do this right and we can spread the news and we can get our people ready and get them educated, there's an opportunity for them to go into this industry. And as they go into this industry, they're making more money and then as they make more money, they can come back to some of these neighborhoods that are distressed and impoverished, and we can start reinvesting in those neighborhoods. We can start transforming those neighborhoods. We don't have to leave the corner to the drug dealers. we got to go out here and make it happen ourselves. Now, in reference to the jobs of pipe fitters, HVAC people, welders, and all like that, what can a businessman from the African-American community or any other minority community what kind of business opportunities is there in the uh, energy arena where I can own a piece of it, where I can develop it and own it and build it? Uh, are there any opportunities like that out there? Very much so. I, I think if you go to areas like North Dakota and obviously states where they have, um, you know, really strong energy production, what, what you see crop up around some of, these, some of this energy infrastructure is you see entrepreneurial opportunities start to crop up, opportunities to open a store, open a retail store, open a, a, a logistics firm that does 
there's all these opportunities that start to happen once these operations are moving into your community. So yes, Jack, I mean they're they're you know we like to talk about what we what we call not not just getting a job, but but we also want people to get out and be creating jobs because that's what this country is about. Well, you know, this has been a very, we have about a minute left in the interview here this morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and let me be transparent. Uh, the American Energy Forum advertised on this show. I've had Mr. Cash on this show before. I've enjoyed it. He has always given us pertinent, on top, straightforward information, and I want you all to know that. I'd like to thank Mr. Bruce Williams and Associates down in Virginia Beach for helping us on this. Uh, Mr. Cash, I'd like to thank you so very much, and if there's any closing statement, or comments that you'd like to make in reference to this interview this morning, microphone is yours. Yeah, I just want to say in closing, I mean, you talked a little bit about what our organization is, but I just want to close by talking about why I got involved. I mean, Jack, okay. I, I come from East Winston. I grew up very, very poor. Uh, my mother had me when she was 17 years old, never met my dad a day in my life. So I, I grew up in the neighborhoods that I'm talking about. I grew up in the communities that I'm speaking about this morning, and I know some of the pain and some of what's going on there. And I woke up, you know, six years ago, like everybody else did in the Great Recession, watching people lose their jobs, watching people lose their houses and their cars, and I decided I wanted to do something about it. And that's why I got involved with this effort. That's why I'm spending my time going across the country talking about it. And I hope the people that are listening, they take this serious. Go check out our website and um, never, never hesitate to reach out to me directly. You can always email me at acash at americasenergyforum.com. One more time. Acash at America's Mr. Cash, thank you very much for this interview. We'll talk to you again in the future. Thank you very much, man. Have a good day. You too. Thank you for all you do. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye.